everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. He's a nationally acclaimed speaker, writer, and author of several books, as well as former producer and director of programming for the Christian Broadcasting Network with a doctorate of ministry from Regent University, and this just for starters. In his latest must-read, I Am Cyrus, Harry S. Truman, and the Rebirth of Israel, my next guest makes the case, and powerfully so, for what should be required reading in every classroom, courtroom, college campus, to the halls of Congress, and beyond. It's a book whose time has come for such a time as this. Here to share more in part one of my two-part conversation is its author. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a wonderful honor indeed, Dr. Craig Von Buzik. Dr. Buzik, Craig, if I may, welcome to Testimony. Well, thank you, Jensine. It is wonderful to be here and a pleasure. Thanks. Well, first of all, I have to say I have never enjoyed more reading the origins and history behind the rebirth of Israel as recounted in your latest must-read, I Am Cyrus, engaging novel-like format that paints the picture and the passion behind the events as they happened, no doubt little known to most, as well as shedding light on those already well-versed. So first question, with the resurgence of anti-Semitism worldwide in unprecedented proportions and frontline warriors in defense, risking left-wing anarchy, you bring a fresh perspective to an ancient narrative simply stated the facts and why supporting Israel and our Jewish brethren has never been more critical than it is today. Is this your reason for writing I Am Cyrus and why the title? Can you elaborate? Well, there is so much uh, growing anti-Semitism today. There's so much propaganda and negative press against Israel that I felt the time had come for a defense that went beyond 1948. So many people begin talking about the rebirth of Israel in 1948, and it makes sense because that was when the nation was reborn, as the Bible says, reborn in a day. However, the story of how it came back into being a nation really uh, went all the way back to A.D. 70 when the Romans first uh, pushed the Jews out of Israel, but it really got its momentum going again in the 1880s with the birth of the Zionist movement. And that happened because Tsar Alexander in Russia was assassinated, and sadly one of the assassins was a Jewish woman. So the, the Russian government came down heavy on the Jewish population in Russia, and the leaders of the Jews there in Russia, which was the largest group of Jews anywhere in the world, they said, you know, we have been doing this for too long. We need to have our own nation again. We need to have a safe haven to protect ourselves. 
And that was the beginning of the Zionist movement. And from Russia, the first pioneers set out uh, to go back to the nation that they had had for three, almost 3,000 years. And so I wanted to tell that story because so many people today and people in the news media don't know the truth of those uh, beginnings and how it grew to the point that in 1948, after the Holocaust, six million Jews being murdered, that Israel was finally given uh, its own homeland again by the United Nations. And so I approached this almost like... Um, trying to defend the cause of the rebirth of Israel before the Supreme Court. So if you look in my end notes, you'll see there's more than 1,200 sources uh, to back up what it is that I've written in this book. And in answer to your question about the name of the book, what had happened is Harry S. Truman, who of course is a very central character in this story, Without giving too much away, he finally came after a long time of debate within his own uh, self. He came to the point of realizing that the best choice that he could make was to support the Jews in the rebirth of Israel. And then he put pressure on, through his UN delegates, to uh, get other nations to also support the vote for partition in November of 1947. And so a year later, year after uh, Israel became a nation in 1948, the chief rabbi from Israel, Rabbi Herzog, came to the White House to visit Harry Truman. And Truman said to him, do you know what it was that I did to support the rebirth of Israel? And Rabbi Herzog said, oh yes, I know very well what you did. And just like Cyrus of old, who supported the Jews in rebuilding the temple and going back to their homeland after the Babylonian captivity, you also will be remembered in the annals of Jewish history and revered just as Cyrus of old. Well, Harry Truman was very moved by that. He had tears in his eyes. He came around his desk and got right into the face of the rabbi and he said, do you really believe that? And the rabbi said, yes, you were born for this purpose. And so when Harry Truman left the White House after his second term, he was invited to speak at the Jewish seminary in New York City, and his friend, Eddie Jacobson, who we'll talk more about hopefully in the interview, Eddie was asked to introduce Harry, and Eddie, being a good Jewish uh, friend, uh, introduced uh, Harry Truman and said, please welcome President Truman, who helped in the rebirth of Israel. And everybody clapped, and then Truman got up uh, behind the, the podium, and he turned to Eddie after the clapping died down. He said, what do you mean I helped? He said, I am Cyrus. I am Cyrus. <laughs> and that's where the name of the book came from. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Dr. Craig Von Music author of his latest must-read, I Am Cyrus. Craig, you talk about Chaim Wiseman, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Why is he so critical to this story and the rebirth of Israel? Well, I, I actually love how you mispronounced his name, and the reason is <laughs> that Harry Truman also mispronounced his name. The, the actual pronunciation is Heim, Heim Wiseman, but uh, Harry Truman, President Truman, called him Cham. Uh, 
and <laughs> Wiseman never corrected him. <laughs> so every time that he met with Wiseman, he called him Cham, and Wiseman was fine with that, so no problem. Heim Wiseman is the Basically, you could think of him as the Benjamin Franklin of the Zionist movement. He was their greatest diplomat, and he became the first president of the nation of Israel in 1948. And Heim Wiseman had come out of Russia himself. He was a Zionist, and he became a leader of the Zionists early on when Herzl, you'll remember that um, Theodore Herzl was the leader of the Zionist movement uh, in the late 1800s, he was the one who called together the Zionist Congress, which was one of the most important moments in the history of the Jews over the last 2,000 years, when all of these Jews came from many different nations to gather for the first time as elected people representing their people back home. And they were the ones who were deciding on how to move forward with um, moving back to their promised land. Now, Theodore Herzl had received a promise from the British. They said that they would give to the Zionists uh, the territory in East Africa that we now know as Uganda. Mm -hmm. And they were going to give that to the Jews because the British Empire was, you know, it spanned the entire globe at that time. And this was land that they felt they could give to the Jews to give them a safe haven. Well, Theodore Herzl knew that there was all kinds of persecution, just like now there's growing anti-Semitism and persecution against Jews around the world. And so Herzl went to the Congress with this proposal, and Heim Wiseman was one of the leading spokesmen to vote, to say, let's vote against this. Mm -hmm. And the reason that he said that was he knew that it would take the focus off of trying to get their homeland in their original ancient homeland of what they called Eretz Israel, the promised land, what the Romans renamed Palestine when they kicked out the Jews, which was named after the enemy of the Jews from the Old Testament, the Philistines. And so Heim Wiseman said, we need to vote against this. And they ended up, uh, even though the vote passed in the Congress, it was so close that Herzl knew he didn't have enough support to make it happen. And after Herzl died, Wiseman then kind of moved forward as one of the main leaders of the Zionist movement. He moved to Great Britain, and during World War I, he helped to convince them to uh, give the Balfour Declaration. As you may know from history, the British were fighting against the Germans, and the Turks, or the Ottoman Empire, came in on the side of the Germans. And so the British moved into Palestine and pushed the Turks out of uh, what the Jews called Eretz Israel. And Wiseman said, we would like for you to give us our land back. And so the, um, the British government made that promise. It was called the Balfour Declaration. And then again, moving forward to after World War II, now Harry Truman is in the White House. He's president. And he's trying to decide what to do, whether or not to support the Jews in receiving their homeland again. And he had received so much pressure from the State Department, from the Arabs, and even from Jewish leaders, some of who, whom had been rude to him. 
And so he closed the doors of the White House, shut tight, and said, I'm not going to talk to anyone. Well, Heim Wiseman came to New York and was waiting in a hotel for a meeting with Truman, and Truman wouldn't meet with him. Even though he liked Wiseman, he respected Wiseman, but he said, I'm not meeting with anyone. So the Zionists knew that the vote was happening soon in the UN, and they were panicking. And then somebody remembered about Harry Truman's old Jewish business partner from way back when they had a men's clothing store in Kansas City together. And he called him and said, Eddie, we need you to go to the White House and convince Truman to meet with Heim Wiseman. Eddie Jacobson flew to the White House, met with Truman, and after a lot of argument, Truman finally gave in, met with Heim Wiseman, and he said that in that meeting with Heim Wiseman and Eddie Jacobson, that's when Truman decided once and for all that he would support the nation of Israel. And that's why Heim Wiseman is one of the most important characters in this whole story. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to nationally acclaimed author, speaker, writer, as well as former producer and director of programming for the Christian Broadcasting Network, and so much more, Dr. Craig Von Busick. In his latest must-read, I Am Cyrus, Harry S. Truman, and the Rebirth of Israel. You can learn more about Dr. Busick's work, ministry, and mission by visiting vonbusick.com and inspiration.org, where he serves as editor of content and get his book, Get Informed, You Will Be Blessed, and yes, inspired that you did. Dr. Buzek, Craig, if I may thank you for taking precious time to share just a little of your amazing, thoroughly researched, and indeed enlightening read, I am Cyrus. We look forward to hearing much, much more next week. God bless you. Thank you, Jensine. I look forward to it. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Last week, you heard just a sampling of the riveting, historical, and moving must-read as recounted by nationally acclaimed author, speaker, and writer of multiple books, Seven Keys to Hearing God's Voice, Nobody Knows the Harry T. Brule Story, and a personal favorite of testimony, Praying the News, with co-author and CBN co-host, Wendy Griffith, and this, just for starters. And now, with his latest must-read, I Am Cyrus, Harry S. Truman, and the Rebirth of Israel, my next guest makes the case and brilliantly so, on the origins and rebirth of the land of the Bible, Israel, and why supporting this jewel of the nations of the world is just as critical now as it was then. Here to elaborate on this and more in part two of our conversation today is its author, a wonderful honor indeed. Please welcome Dr. Craig Von Buzek. Craig, welcome back to Testimony. 
Oh, it's wonderful to be with you again, Jensine. Thank you so much. Well, it's great to have you now. Off the record, I asked you about the origins of your own name. Can you share a little? <laughs> sure. Um, my family is from just north of Frankfurt on my father's side. And so this is, uh, there are a couple towns, one, call, one is called Grossenbusik and one is called Altenbusik. And so because we were uh, involved in the aristocracy years ago, uh, we were given the title Vaughn. So the name is Vaughn Buzik. And so the joke is, uh, because my mother's family was from the uh, Hamburg area, we had Frankfurters on one side and Hamburgers on the other. <laughs> That's funny. Touche on that one. Um, in our last segment, we just barely <laughs> covered the surface of all that is in your latest great read. I am Cyrus, so let's get right to it. Question. In our last segment, you rounded off our time together with Eddie Jacobson and his relationship with President Truman and how that helped in the critical days prior to the rebirth of Israel. Can you just recap that for our listeners and then let's get into why so many people believe that Israel stole Palestine from the Arabs and why you refute that. Well, Eddie Jacobson and Harry Truman met as very young men. Eddie was a clerk in a men's clothing store, something that he did for a living for his entire life. Uh, although later he became the owner with Harry Truman in a men's clothing store and then the owner of his own store later on. Truman was a bank clerk. And so when World War I broke out, both Eddie Jacobson and Harry S. Truman went to war together. Back then, a whole community would fight together. They wouldn't mix them up. And so they had to choose a leader for this particular regiment. And um, because Harry Truman was a little bit older and had a little bit more business experience, the leadership called on Truman during basic training down in Oklahoma to start a canteen, a little store where they would sell things like shoe polish and, and sticks of gum and soda pop, things that they couldn't get from the Army, you know, and they wanted to buy separately for the soldiers. And what Truman found out was that there were several of these little canteens on this very large military base but many of them were going bankrupt. And he didn't know why, but then he, he thought, you know, I need to get some help. And he knew that Eddie Jacobson had retail experience, so he called Eddie in and he said, how about if you work with me on this, uh, what would you recommend? And so Eddie Jacobson had said, it's all about cash flow. They're going out of business because when times are hard, they don't have the backup cash. He said, so what we need to do is we need to make sure that we've got plenty of money set aside so that when times are good, we've got plenty of money. When times are bad, we still have enough money to survive. And so he said, well, how do we do that? And he said, well, let's borrow $2 from every single person in our division, and then we'll pay it back with interest. I mean, this guy's a great businessman, right? And so they did that, and the canteen flourished. And the brass, you know, the officers saw that Truman was doing so well, and that is one of the reasons why he was given a promotion to captain. And that promotion put him on the track to then go into politics after he left the Army. First of all, he and Eddie started this men's clothing store in Kansas City after the war, and it did great for a year, but then there was a post-war recession, and the business went bankrupt. 
But then right after that, Harry was approached by the local party bosses to run for a position, kind of like a county councilor position, and that was the beginning of his career, which happened in large part because he became an officer, a captain in World War I, and he had Eddie Jacobson in part to thank for that. So they remained friends throughout their lives, uh, really like brothers, all the way up until Eddie passed away. So it's a wonderful story that is the anchor of this book, and it's a, an incredible way to show that uh, just simple relationship of two guys from Kansas City could have later on an unexpected impact, not only on history, but on the fulfillment of prophecy. It's a remarkable story. Amen and amen, and you have so many remarkable stories in your book. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to author Dr. Craig Von Busick, his latest must-read, I Am Cyrus. So to reiterate, there are many people today who believe that Israel stole Palestine from the Arabs. You refute that notion in your book. Tell us why. Well, there are very few countries in the world that can take their history back connected to their homeland for 3,000 years, but the Jews are able to do that. And if anyone is truly a thinking person and not just going from what they're being told by a particular political movement or a religious movement, if they're a real thinking person and they're honest, then they can look at the history and they can also look at the amazing archaeology that is being discovered in the Holy Land, in Israel, to verify the fact that the Jews have been in that part of the world for three thousand years and they would have been there through the last two thousand years but they were pushed out by the Romans who wanted to occupy that area and who basically were blaspheming God which is why the Jews rose up in opposition to the Romans the Romans defeated them pushed them out of the land Titus, who was the emperor after the Barcova revolt, which happened in AD 135, he said, I want all the Jews out, and I want the name Israel expunged, and he renamed it, as I said last week, they called it Syria Palestinia, which became known as Palestine, and they named Palestine after the Jews' ancient enemies from the Old Testament, the Philistines, just to kind of rub their nose in the defeat. And we know that the Jews were then cast to the winds and were dispersed all around the world. But then every year at Passover, uh, the last thing that they would say in the Passover Seder meal to each other was, next year in Jerusalem. So you can take the people out of the homeland, but you can't take the homeland out of the people. And so they knew that one day they would return to their promised land. And that took place over time, beginning in the 1880s. And people need to remember, and one of the things that I show in the book is that when Mark Twain, the great American author, went to the Holy Land in the 1860s, he said it was a barren wasteland. There was hardly any grass, hardly any vegetation or trees. The people lived in tents and there was all kinds of malarial swamps, and it had become a desert because the Turks didn't see it as their, their land. They just saw it as another portion of their empire where they could pull taxes from. And so they did not care for it, and it went into decline. There were not a lot of people that lived there. 
but we need to remember, yes, the majority of the people who were living there were Arabs, but that was because the Turks were not letting the Jews into their homeland. Had the Turks let the Jews into their homeland, very quickly it would have been a Jewish population that would have been larger. However, there was always a certain amount of Jews that lived around Jerusalem and other parts of the Holy Land for all of the years of Diaspora, from the Bar Kokhba revolt all the way up to the 1880s. There were Jews living in the land with the Arabs, with the Christians. We need to remember that there were always Christians living in the land, especially around Jerusalem. And so what happened in the 1880s is that these pioneers went in there and they started to take dynamite and blow up the rocks that were hindering uh, the plows from going into the soil. And then they drained the malarial swamps, and many people sadly lost their lives to malaria as they were doing this. And David Ben-Gurion talks about how he had gotten malaria and almost died because he was working on these crews that were plowing up these fields. And these fields were sandy and dusty, and so at first nothing would grow. But then Baron Rothschild out of France, who was a Jew himself, sent advisors to help them. And they started to plant grass, like uh, ocean grass, which took root. And when it would die, it would create soil. They started to plant citrus, which did very well in the dusty, rocky soil or uh, sandy soil. But then the thing that really took off was they planted vineyards. And the vineyards love that sandy soil. And to this day, there are the most magnificent vineyards and citrus throughout the Holy Land. And so that was where they started to take root, and then the population grew. And one of the things that I remind people is that after World War I, the League of Nations in the Paris Peace Accord verified through what was called the San Remo Declaration that the Jews would be given Palestine. The international community voted on that, and it was part of international law after World War I. The Jews did not steal the land that was theirs to begin with, and they certainly didn't steal it from the Arabs, because they went in and they said, we understand that some of the Arabs are living in this land. We could live side by side and in peace. And so I say to people who say that the Jews stole this land, I say, let me ask you a question. How many Arab nations are there in the world? Well, the answer is 22. And then I ask, how many Muslim nations are there in the world where the population is primarily Muslim? The answer is 50. And then I say, how many Jewish nations are there in the world? The answer is one. And people want to take away this one little territory the size of New Jersey that the Jews have been living in for 3,000 years? When you look at it from this perspective, you see that there is no argument for saying that the Jews stole the land of Palestine. It was theirs, and they just returned to it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to a nationally acclaimed author, speaker, writer, and so much more, Dr. Craig Von Buzek. In his latest must-read, I Am Cyrus, Harry S. Truman and the Rebirth of Israel. You can learn more about Dr. Buzek's work, ministry, and mission by visiting vonbuzek.com and inspiration.org. You will be blessed, informed, and yes, inspired that you did. Dr. Buzek, Craig, thank you again for taking precious time to share more of your amazing must-read, I Am Cyrus, a great, inspiring, and impactful read outlining the history and the heart 
of the Jewish people in obtaining the dream of their God-given biblical promise, but denied at every turn, and why your book reveals not only the depth of that struggle, but the victories that would come and the key players of history that would persevere to make this happening. We thank you and God bless you. Jensine, it's an honor to be with you. Thank you for having me. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. <laughs>